Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. It was great seeing so many of you in Miami for Art Basel this past week. There was so much art, so many people, and such great events. It's always a bit chaotic, but also a lot of fun. In terms of the art itself, I thought the quality of art was very good at this fair. It did seem like things were slower than the past few iterations, though. In fact, several galleries told me that it was very noticeable that there were fewer people this year than in past years. I think works by artists in demand sold very well, but other works took a little bit longer to sell. I think there's a few reasons for that. First, the art fair calendar is fuller than it's ever been. There are just so many opportunities to buy art. There's more fairs than ever before, there's more auctions than ever before, and as galleries expand, there's more gallery shows than ever before. A lot of people have bought a lot of art over the last several months through these opportunities. It just felt like there wasn't that FOMO feeling where I had to buy three or four things at this fair. People were okay if they just bought one thing or maybe if they didn't even buy anything at all. And then, of course, there's also the economy. There's so much talk about a looming recession. It feels inevitable at this point. Will it happen? Who knows? But there are signs of a slowdown in the broader economy, and it seems like It's only now finally starting to permeate into the art market. It's certainly on everyone's minds as we enter 2023. But in this week's episode of the podcast, we're joined by Nate Freeman, art columnist at Vanity Fair. Nate joins us to help recap this edition of Art Basel Miami. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining us. How have you been? I've been great, Adam. Thanks for having me back on the pod. You know how much I love coming on. Of course. We love having you on, and you're welcome anytime. So you wrote a great article in Vanity Fair recapping this year's edition of the fair. If our listeners haven't checked it out, they definitely should. So to start things off, tell me, were you able to gather a consensus from all the conversations and observations you had about the quality of art at this year's fair, as well as just what the mood was like pertaining to buying at the fair? Well, you know, I tried to capture the general sentiment, uh, though the amount of just art and activity and whatnot going on in Miami is so enormous, it's hard to fully capture. But from what I could gather, I think that people took the fair very seriously. Gowers brought some really high-quality stuff. You didn't see the sort of, like, you know, eight-figure price tags that you see at Basel in Switzerland, though some booths did have some uh, works priced around 15 to 20 million. Um, I think that the quality of the work was very, really high. I think that it was a uh, really spectacular looking fair um, and one that I personally hadn't experienced in quite some time because I missed the Basel Fair in Switzerland. My daughter's being born. Um, So I really, really love that. The business I think was a little slow. I think that you know, collectors are a little exhausted this fall we've had not just london but a new fair in paris that i think was a must attend for many americans and of course europeans who are already over there plus a bonanza of uh marquee evening sales and day sales in new york in november uh just a spectacular amount of art on offer so i think that there was some you know fatigue among collectors and there were not too many European collectors present in Miami this year. Uh, that's really what I noticed. So I think things were a little slow. 
I'm not sure that the economy is necessarily to be blamed for that. I think it's just there are so many places to buy art in the fall of 2022. Yeah, I noticed that as well. People were just a little bit fatigued, I think, from all of the buying opportunities. So many collectors have acquired a lot of work over the last several months at Freeze, at Perry Plue, at the auctions. So many galleries are expanding, so there are so many more gallery shows than ever before. Exactly. Has this phenomenon occurred in the past with Art Basel Miami, where going last at the end of the year results in some slowness just due to buyer fatigue from earlier in the year? Or do you think maybe this is a new development we might see moving forward because there are just so many buying opportunities in the calendar year compared to in past years? Well, this is the first time that we've had a Miami Basel after another Basel uh, just you know, two months before uh, in, you know, a, a city that, that people love going to. So there's never been a situation like this where Basel's come after not one, but two major fairs in the fall. And um, I think that even if, you know, the collectors weren't necessarily buying at London and Paris and the fall sales, you know, all those opportunities just, you know, sort of adds up to just, you know, too much art being off. So I think that Europeans made the choice whether they were going to come to New York for the auctions or Miami. A lot of them chose the auctions in New York in, New York in November and then didn't want to come back for Miami. They were just a little tired. You know, uh, I think it's just, you know, a new kind of paradigm for how many fairs are must attend. And, you know, maybe they're not, they're not all must attend. Maybe Miami isn't must attend. Yeah, that would be something if it wasn't a must attend. So in this article that you wrote for Vanity Fair, which again, I highly recommend if our listeners haven't read it already, you really dig into the history of Art Basel Miami and how this fair even ended up in Miami. I think a lot of people who have been going for years don't really even know the full history. I certainly didn't. And especially, I think, newer collectors, they ask me, why is this fair in Miami? Why isn't it in New York, Chicago, LA? Why does Miami have the most important art fair in America? So I would love, if you can, just quickly talk a little bit about the history of Art Basel and how the fair even ended up in Miami to begin with, rather than a different city within the U.S. Well, it's a 20-year anniversary of the fair, and so I think that was the hook for, uh, for myself and a lot of people writing about the fair this year. This is Chase talking, yeah, how this fair came about and how it became such a, you know, ginormous week of culture in the United States. You know, like I mentioned, it's not just about the fair. It's about the multiple other fairs. It's about, you know, fashion, film, uh, you know, media. There's just so much going on. But how it started really was um, Lorenzo Rudolph, who's the director of Art Basel in Switzerland, had taken that fair from like a sort of uh, small, like European-minded uh, expo for contemporary art into this juggernaut that had a waiting list of hundreds of galleries from around the world. So it was his vision that took it from, you know, just the thing that local collectors went to, to this international thing. Um, and he uh, started thinking about expansion to the United States. And at the time, this collecting couple uh, from Miami, the Bremens, uh, were one of the few collectors to constantly go to Art Basel in Switzerland. And uh, they were connected to Lorenzo Rudolph and his communications chief, Sam Keller, through the art advisor, Jeffrey Deitch, who was advising uh, the Bremens. Deitch was also advising uh, this uh, young collector named Craig Robbins, who was developing a lot of real estate in Miami. Um, and at the same time, Donna Mira Rubel had moved their collection down to Miami from New York. Uh, 
and were also attending uh, the Basel Fair in Switzerland. So I think when Lorenzo was looking to open a new fair, the second ever Art Basel in America, there were all these Miami collectors and, uh, you know, Deitch was based in Miami, but advised Miami collectors advocating for the city. Um, and at the time, Los Angeles was not, uh, you know, a big gallery town necessarily. New York had the Armory show, which was still quite prominent. Uh, Chicago had Expo, um, or that is sort of precursors to that. Um, and so I think that they saw an opportunity in Miami Beach at the same time the city was on the up from the 80s when it was sort of, uh, you know, associated with the drug trade. They cracked down on that, cleaned up the city. Um, and, you know, there was an open week in the calendar when, you know, it was before the holiday rush after Thanksgiving. It was warm in Miami. So they saw an opportunity. They went for it. Uh, as Mark Spiegler said at the press conference, there were a lot of haters. A lot of people had their doubts that the city that is not at all really associated with high culture and the art world could host, you know, an edition of the world's greatest art fair. Um, but as Mark said, as soon as he set foot in Miami and saw the energy that the fair was tapping into, he was proving completely wrong. And, um, you know, I think that the proof is in the pudding. The fair is, you know, the most important American art fair. Uh, even if some Europeans didn't come this year, it's still very, very important. And you know, they, they bet big and they won. Yeah, they really did. I'm sure even more so than they imagined. And you also, within the article, touched on the Basel organization itself and how they're going through some changes with a new owner, with a new CEO. And I feel like you hinted that there may be some changes to come pertaining to Art Basel Miami, as well as even Art Basel, the original fair in Switzerland, with Paris now occurring just, I don't know, an hour away. So tell us, what are you hearing? What's the speculation about maybe some potential changes coming to Basel? Well, we don't exactly know what changes are going to happen. I mean, I've been hearing some things. I don't know if they're true. But what we do know is that there is a lot of change afoot at our boss. We have a new owner, uh, James Murdoch, who has a not a controlling interest, but he is now the largest shareholder in uh, FCH Group, our boss's parent company. You have a new CEO of the FCH Group, uh, Florian, who was appointed last year. And now, as of this fall, you have a new CEO of our Basel, Noah Horowitz. So right there, you got a lot of change at you know, leadership of MCH Group and our Basel. So inevitably, the new guard is going to make some changes. What they are, it's not necessarily for me to say, but, you know, you're going to see a new dynamic emerge between the fairs with Paris, you know, being so close to Basel. I'm not saying Basel will be diminished in its way. I think most collectors in Europe and galleries consider it the preeminent, um, you know, global art fair. Uh, but, you know, I think that there'll be a different audience for Paris. There'll be a different way of approaching that fair. And I think that when it goes to its permanent home uh, after the Olympics, it'll be a very, very powerful display of uh, the contemporary art market. Um, yeah, as to what changes might happen, I don't know. I mean, Noah is definitely going to implement his vision. He's going to hire people to run the fair in uh, Miami. Um, who that is, I don't know, but they're going to have their own vision. Um, and it's it's honestly very, very exciting to see what you know they make of it. 
Uh, one thing that we do know uh, is that historically, the director of Art Basel, now the CEO of Art Basel, was based in Switzerland. Um, Noah will be based in New York. So I think that that is somewhat important, maybe just symbolically, uh, but you know that does shift the power somewhat to the Americas. What that means, what's who's to say? But it's it's at least one concrete bit of change that we know about. And of course, there's the social element of Art Basel Miami. It's become a spectacle. I mean, the level of events, gallery parties, drinks at day, during the night, boats. I mean, you can't keep track of it all. And I think what's great is that everyone does their own thing. They go on their own journey. Everyone has a good time. Some people go to one event. Some people go to a different event. But they're all really great, and everyone's having a great time being in Miami. Now, you are up late in the evening going to some of these things. You're observing, witnessing, watching people, and at all these happenings. Tell us for you, what were some of the highlights for Art Basel Miami this year? Uh, Adam, that's so true what you said. You can get 10 people who went to Miami last week, and they can have 10 completely different itineraries, experiences. Uh, you know, it's, it's infinite the number of things you can do. But, you know, like I said, I, I did try to get to a ton of stuff just to gather some strength in the story. Uh, what can I say? You know, you got everything from uh, you know, a number of prominent artists were down there. Uh, there was a big bash for Henry Taylor at Carbone, thrown by his gallery, Hauser and Firth, um, to celebrate his show at uh, Mocha in Los Angeles, which I'm very excited to see personally. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and it was fun to, you know, roll up there and see Venus Williams and Riley Opelka, the American tennis player, just towering over all the other guests. Uh, there was some fun chatter about how someone thought that Joan Jonas, the artist, was there, but uh, much to dismay, it was just the, the pop star Joe Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> which, which is, you know, amusing, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, obviously, Leo DiCaprio and his crew were there. They have never missed a Miami fair. Uh, and so there was a big party on a boat that ILS was not in attendance for, but I heard it was quite the soiree went into the wee hours of the morning um uh, with a lot of vips in attendance i think some kardashians were around which uh might be of interest to some uh but uh, <laughs> i'm trying to think of what other what other fun stuff did i do there was a there was a party on a boat owned by former mtv ceo bob Pittman. this is a historic yacht that was that was parked there in one of the um, marinas. That was a lot of fun. Uh, always like going on parties on boats. I, I think that we can agree on that. Boat parties are fun. <laughs> yep. Um, and, you know, I, I had a, a, a number of very, very nice meals. Um, there were cocktail parties thrown by David Sverner, who did not tell me that he had nabbed Gerhard Richter. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't give you that scoop? <laughs> no, he didn't. But hats off to, to David for pulling off that kill. Uh, and uh, also, um, Jay Joplin threw a nice little party at Soho Beach House, uh, as his gallery White Cube does annually. They always get a lot of lobster, a lot of stone crabs, and a really fun performer this year. It was Khalees of Milkshake Fame, and uh, yeah, um, so you know, also you could you could have just parked yourself at Joe's Stone Crab and you know, watched. You know, luminaries such as the Mugrabis and Casper Jopling and his wife 
the pop star Ellie Goulding waltz through. That was a lot of fun. I mean, it's Miami, Adam. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was indeed. So before we let you go, I just want to get your final thoughts on where the art market currently stands as we enter 2023. Art Basel Miami really is the last major event for the calendar year. So where do you think things stand as we conclude the year and make our way into the next year? Great question. Um, I think that, that people are very legitimately concerned about the economic situation. Um, globally, it's just things, you know, we're not in a recession, but people are worried about whether we're going to be in a recession, which spooks people at the same time, you know, the art market, whether the the big recession, 2008, 2009, quite well, or at least, you know, the uh, bad times didn't last as long as many thought. Um the reality is we're going to see incredible works of art come to market at auction in May and November as they have for the last few years. It's just inevitable that another grand estate will come to market uh, basically every year or other year. I'm not saying what they are necessarily, but it's just how things happen. You know, there are just incredible estates out there that need to be sold um, due to death, dead or divorce, as, as we both know. And at the same time, you know, galleries are expanding rapidly. I think that we're going to see David Turner open his space in Los Angeles in February, alongside a number of other galleries that are opening their spaces there. I think there's going to be a real bonanza of selling in the City of Angels in a way that we've never seen before. So that will sort of buoy the market. Um, and there's just, you know, always just a voracious appetite for, you know, these hot young artists, whether that can, you know, translate into big sales in like, the upper echelons of the market. I don't know. We saw a lot of work selling, you know, for numbers that we were hoping would be higher at auction. I don't know if that continues. It's hard to say. I don't think the market's very strong, but I don't think that it's going to be a nightmare. Hopefully it just sort of plateaus. And then maybe we'll we'll see some craziness happen in 2024. Nate, thanks so much again for coming on to the podcast and helping us recap Art Basel Miami. I know it's an exhausting week for everyone and you're running around talking to people. So we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And if our listeners haven't already, I definitely recommend you check out Nate's fantastic article in Vanity Fair. Have a great holiday season and thanks so much again, Nate. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, Adam. I uh, love coming on the pod. You know that.